0: Thank you for listening to this week's podcast from the Horsham Church of Christ. For more information, please visit our website at www.horsham.org.au
1: Cool. Excellent. All right. Can we just, uh, hope you've got your Bibles open. Um, whether that's you version or your paper Bibles, uh, be ready, Mark chapter two verses 1 to 12 is the text we're going to read shortly. Uh, love you to have your Bibles, so in whatever way that works for you, so you can be taking notes, you can go and check things. You can do your cross-referencing, your personal studies. Uh, engage in the conversation at home as well, uh, and invite you to participate in that way. So uh, before we do that, uh, let's pray together uh, and really just commit this time to the heart of the Father. Father, we do want to thank you for your work. We want to thank you for your kingdom. We want to thank you for the hope of your kingdom, the promise of your kingdom, the establishment of your kingdom, the building of your kingdom as it's taking place and unfolding now. We thank you and we praise you, Father, for uh, this time and space that we have to worship you, to honour you, to remember you. And we want to set this time now to really immerse ourselves in your word uh, and have our hearts, our minds, our spirits open to hear from you as well. May we not be the same leaving this place as when we walked in, as when we came through the doors? We recognise that we carry our burdens, we carry our questions, we carry our fears, and we want to bring those to you so that you will do your work, your ministry um, in this time and in this space. We thank you for the freedom that we have to read your word. Uh, Let us not take your word for granted. Let us read with passion, with heart, with openness, with a desire to know more of you, to know more of ourselves, so so that we might become more passionate about sharing our love for you. Uh, Father, for those of us who might be here today who don't know you, who are asking questions, who are uncertain about you, we pray that your word would speak life and peace and hope into their spirits. Grant us an openness, a willingness to receive what you have to offer for us today. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. So I've got a really simple question for you today. Uh, and it's a question that I've been wrestling with a little bit this week as I've engaged the text and been preparing this message and uncertain about uh, how to unpack it a little bit. I, I came down to this question. That I want you to, that I invite you to consider, that I invite you to uh, chew on. Uh, I hope it kind of drills down into your brain and your spirit uh, and annoys you over the coming week, quite frankly. Um, Unashamedly, I hope it annoys you. Um, Here's the question when it all wakes up. Here we go. Nearly, maybe. Livia, can you press the button for me, please? (laughs) Yeah, the question is, why doesn't technology work? Is technology, all right, let me tell you the question because it's only like, oh, where do you stand is my question to you. And I'm not talking about where do you stand in terms of what's your address. I'm not talking about uh, political leanings or philosophical leanings. I'm talking about where do you stand in your relationship with Jesus. That's the question I want you to consider today. As Hannah comes up, and reads through uh, Mark chapter 2, verses 1 to 12. Come here, Hannah, and uh, thank you very much. Olivia, you if you're able to, I'll just follow the Bible text. It's all right.
0: A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralysed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, Why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately, Jesus knew in his spirit that this was what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, Why are you thinking these things? Which is easier to say to this paralysed man, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take your mat and walk home? But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take your mat and go home. He got up, took his mat, and walked out in full view of them. This amazed everyone, and they praised God, saying, We have never seen anything like this.
1: Thank you. Well done. Yeah, give a round of applause. Yeah. That's okay. It's a daunting thing to stand up here and look at you all. It's more daunting when you're younger. Where do you stand? Do you stand as part of the crowd? As you read that story, as you engage with that story, do you stand as part of the crowd? Maybe, you know, you got caught up in the excitement. You didn't really know what was going on. Maybe you don't know what's really going on when you come here today. Maybe you've just come along because, hey, that's what the crowd does. That's what we always do. We don't give much thought about it. Maybe we've come along as part of the crowd because, well, you know, It's just an easy thing to do. The thing about the crowd is, some of us as part of the crowd, they'll be up the front, they'll want to be closest, they'll want to feel the spit of Jesus on their face, and they'll be at his feet, just soaking in every word. But they're still just part of the crowd. There's those who are part of the crowd, and maybe they were just wandering past, and they noticed a group of people kind of gathering in one section of town. And so they kind of just stopped on their way to somewhere else, and they, you know, standing up the back. Oh yeah, still a part of the crowd. Now, sometimes being a part of the crowd can actually be a really good thing. It's a really healthy thing to do. A crowd is exciting. It's enthusing. It's energizing. It's um, it kind of helps us know that we're not alone. That we're part of something bigger than ourselves. But a crowd doesn't really ask anything of us. You know, I can hide in the crowd. Being part of the crowd doesn't ask anything of me. I just go along because that's what the crowd's doing at that very time or I've got caught up kind of in the dynamics of it. You know, there are times where I can be a part of the crowd. You know, we've, we've... And I imagine people watching this story of Jesus unfold a little bit and engaging with Jesus and being a part of the crowd. And there'd be those in the crowd who would go, oh, we've seen this kind of thing before. We've had rebels come before. And they've come and they've gone. We'll just wait and see what happens. We'll just wait to find out how serious this guy is. The empire will either take care of him or he'll overthrow the empire with his own army. Let's wait and see. That's what a crowd does. Just wait and see. And that's whether you're up the front or at the back or somewhere in the middle. You can stand as part of the crowd for as long as you want in some places and never really get seen, never really participate, never make a decision. Just be a part of the crowd. doesn't ask anything of you to be a part of the crowd. Where do you stand? I wonder if you might stand, um, I said religious critic. You know, the teachers of the law as you read this story. Who does this man think he is? That's not how we do things here. That's not how we say things. Now, when we talk religious, we often talk about church kind of people. But, man, you don't have to be a church person to be religious. (laughs) I've heard plenty of religious kind of statements over the last 18 months, particularly over my lifetime. Religious are those people that we just, statements and ways that we hold on to at all costs as the right way, as the only way, as the most important way, as my way. That's just as religious as what people might call this experience. But we can stand... And interestingly... um, Sorry, let me finish that first thought. Uh, We can stand as critics wherever we are. And interestingly, as I read that story even further and reflected a little bit further on this story, it's not that the teachers of the law had a conversation with Jesus Jesus just felt it. That's a bit scary, isn't it? Did you hear that? Did you see that in the text? Jesus knowing what they were thinking. They didn't put up their hand in the crowd and say, Oi, no, out, that's not how we do things. They just sat in the crowd being critical. Now I know I can do that too. It's easy to be critical when it doesn't cost you anything. (laughs) It's easy to be critical when you're not offering anything of yourself. But see, for these religious leaders, for the teachers of the law, they would have been watching and following the story of Jesus. There's no doubt about that. They would have been hearing the murmurs. They would have been hearing the stories. They would have been participating. They would have been understanding what was happening. They would have been watching this rebel... Come into their cities, into their villages. And they would have been okay with this guy healing, healing someone. That's a cool trick, isn't it? But hang on a minute. Jesus is just up the ante because what we begin to see in this story is Jesus is beginning to shift the momentum. He begins to unpack more of the kingdom, the expression of God. He begins to reveal more of his purposes. He begins to release more of the kingdom mindset. And he begins by saying, I forgive you. You are forgiven. That's all he said. And the religious critics are sitting here in the crowd. (laughs) Hey, hang on a minute. The healing is one thing. But to forgive someone... Only God can do that. Now, my suspicion as I read through this text and as, um, as, even as you read through the text and as you read through the rest of the scriptures is that these, these, critics, these religious leaders are not so much upset that Jesus has forgiven someone, but I wonder, and maybe this is a reflection of my own spirit and my own kind of sense of struggle if I sit as part of the crowd or as a religious critic to say, well, hang on a minute, if you're now forgiving people without any thought, without any sacrifice, what's my role? Have you ever felt that where you thought you had a role and then suddenly that got changed and you felt like you'd lost your identity? Your sense of place, your sense of belonging, your sense of contribution? In some of our stories, that becomes the foundation for us to become critics. I've seen people go through retirement and I don't know who I am, I don't know what I do. I don't know where I fit, where I belong. Where do you stand? Do we stand as part of the crowd, maybe up the front, really excited about the message, or we stand up the back with our arms folded, we've just wandered past, it. It's an interesting message, take as it comes. Are we people who just be critical of new things or dynamics, or it's because it's not the way that it used to be, or not how I would like it to be, Or do you stand in bold faith? Are you the people who no matter what, you're going to break through some roofs, you're going to break down some barriers, you're going to make a way through the crowd because you've got a message and you've got a friend who needs to hear it, you've got a heart of uh, the kingdom of God, you know that this Jesus that we're encountering, you know this Jesus that we're hearing about has something unique and different and no matter what, whatever it costs, I'm going there. And as I thought about this story, as I thought about these men carrying their paralytic friend and then seeing that there's a crowd, there's no way to get to him. They go onto the outside of the house where steps would have been, onto the roof where there would have been another family kind of area where people would have hung out at night when it was a bit hotter and they dug a hole. Now, I want to know what kind of conversation they had before they carried their friend. Maybe that's overthinking it. But I reckon there would have been at least one person who said, we can't do that. Do you, uh, like, do you wonder this stuff or not? There might have been another person that said, who cares what everybody else thinks? Our friend needs Jesus, let's go. And then they get there and the crowd's there and the friends are all looking at each other and going, will we, won't we, no, we can't. What if someone knows us? What if someone recognises us? What if someone says no? And I think sometimes we'd love to have bold faith, but we have these moments where we go, what if someone says no? And somehow that becomes a definition of who I am. So what I love about these friends is that they, what I want is to be this this kind of friend that rips a hole in the roof and says, I know we might have done that in the past or we might not have done it like that in the past, but I've got a friend who needs Jesus and I'm going to introduce that friend to Jesus no matter what it takes. And my identity is not wrapped up in my friend saying yes or no, my identity is wrapped up in the Father. And you know what? My friendship doesn't rely upon my friend saying yes or no. (laughs) Where do you stand? What are the things that might be barriers to you to have walking in that kind of bold faith? What are the voices in our heads, in our spirits? What are the things that have been spoken over us in the past that just need to be ripped off and thrown away? So that we might come under the authority and the release and the freedom of Jesus. See, I suspect for these friends, they would have found encouragement when Jesus encountered their friend on the mat, the paralyzed man. I suspect as they brought their friend to Jesus and they heard the words of Jesus, they would have thought, oh, Thank goodness someone heard us. Someone saw him. Where do you stand? Do you stand in freedom? Do you walk in freedom? Do you live in freedom? Some of us might feel like we're a bit paralysed and a bit stuck at the moment. See, for this paralyzed man, as we spoke about in the previous healings, in the first couple of chap- in the first chapter of Mark, and those experiences, that um, for this paralyzed man, he might have, um, he was fortunate probably to have some friends who gathered around him and moved him and might have looked after him. No welfare systems. Now, whatever we might think of the welfare systems today, there were certainly none when Jesus was walking the earth. This guy had at least some friends who cared enough about him to say, we can do something about this today. We must do something about this today. And he's, you know, for a period of time, he's just along for the ride. I don't know, did he say yes, did he say no, or did his friends just pick him up and say, too bad what you think, we believe in this so much, we're going. You know, every time I read this text, the words that strike me, or the single word that strikes me as the most powerful word in this text is when Jesus looks at this man at his feet lying on a mat and the first word that Jesus says to this man is son. My child. And maybe you need to hear that today. Maybe that's the single greatest word that you need to hear today, my child. Maybe you don't believe that you're worth anything. Maybe you believe that your, work, your life has been so determined by your circumstances, so restricted by your circumstances, so restricted by decisions that you've made or decisions that you haven't made. And it's too hard to get to Jesus for yourself because there's so many other things that are in your head that say you can't do that and friends bring you there and Jesus says, Son, Daughter, my child, you are forgiven. I mean, that fascinates me in itself that Jesus doesn't wait for the paralytic to talk about his sins. He doesn't talk about how terrible a person is. Jesus just restores the relationship first. (laughs) He initiates the restoration. That is a beautiful thing, is it not? Jesus looks at us and says, I see you. I've got you. I welcome you. That is is an incredibly beautiful gift. Where do you stand? Do you stand and have just stood around in the crowd on the edges and the fringes just waiting to see what happens? See if there's something a bit more exciting Or maybe you stand as a religious critic. Or maybe you stand or you want to stand as the bold friend who says, you know what, I'm not, I'm not going to lose here if I go to Jesus. Or maybe you're the person who needs, we're all, well, we're all people who need to encounter Jesus. But to hear the words from Jesus, your sins are forgiven, you can walk in freedom. You don't need to be overwhelmed in fear or disappointed by mistakes or controlled by mistakes or what other people have spoken over you in the past. There's a new freedom to walk into. Now, there's a frustration in this story. The last story of healing that... um, we saw um, and Jesus tells the man uh, remember at the end of chapter one tells the man go and show yourself to the priest the teachers of the law and give evidence that you've experienced healing from leprosy the man instead goes and tells everyone what Jesus has done for him what we hear here what we hear in this story (laughs) is that the man who was paralyzed Picks up his mat and the crowd, I kind of imagine the crowd just kind of shifting aside and he just walks out. What happens to this man? Have you ever read the Gospels and thought, what happens to these people? And I want to, I really want to encourage you to mark the amount of times this happens as you read through the Gospel of Mark. Because here, here's the here's the invitation for you. That paralyzed man's story his friend's story, and what happens beyond their encounter with Jesus, that's your invitation. That's the moment where the gospel writer is saying to the reader, okay, what will you do? Now that you've heard this story, how will you respond? Now that you've heard this story, how will you live? Incidentally, whether you're Whether you're um, part of the crowd, whether you're a religious critic or a critic of any sort and just have a critical spirit, whether you're the bold friend or whether you're uh, the person who's feeling overwhelmed and paralyzed today or stuck by circumstances, needing healing in your life, uh, you're struggling to walk in freedom. Whatever decision you make today doesn't disqualify you from making a different decision to follow Jesus tomorrow. And that's the thing, maybe we're saying, I've been part of the crowd for so long, nothing will ever change. Yes, it can. And all it requires is us for us to come to the feet of Jesus and say, I'm here. That's it. I want to know you as my Lord and Saviour. I can tell you one thing about that paralysed man. My hope for that paralysed man is that he didn't have to use that mat ever again unless he was carrying another mate to Jesus. Now think about that in our lives. What are the mats that we've got that we can carry a mate to Jesus? That we would be bold in our faith, invitational in our faith, trusting in our faith, Not ruled by circumstances, not ruled by what other people think of us, not ruled by whether people say yes or no, but a willingness to trust that Jesus will welcome us and whoever we bring and call us his son, his daughter, his children. And his first words will be, Your sins are forgiven. Because this is the beauty and the wonder of the significance and the power and the kingdom of the story of Jesus. He is here beginning to reveal the fullness of his kingdom. It's not just about the physical healing. He's about restoring the heart, the mind, the soul, the relationship that's been broken and fractured between God, the Heavenly Father, the Creator of heaven and earth, and restoring humanity, all of creation, into a right relationship with him. And that's a beautiful gift of the kingdom. And Jesus begins to reveal to the reader here I'm much more, are you paying attention? Where will you choose to stand? Who will you choose to follow?